Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast. It's Monday, the start of a brand new week. That means we're here once again to give you the MMA weekend recap show, episode 124. There you go. <laughs> I know you were waiting for it. I like it. We get to play a little game every episode. Yeah. I realized uh, after listening back to like the people aren't going to really care about this or understand where this comes from but uh when i was listening i realized that it doesn't really make sense to say like welcome back to episode one that's true so that's why i kind of realized just to split it off just a little bit so you'll have to do the finger bangs you know just a little bit later but monday once again dominic i know we didn't have a chance to talk too much this weekend i was at a wedding um shout out to my good friends trevor and now Michaela Sievert. Um, congratulations. It was a pleasure to be involved in the weekend. Um, Dominic, what were you up to this weekend? Well, it was a pretty laid-back weekend for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. A nice night at the pool is done, by the way. I guess that's the new 100% done. 100%, yeah. Now we can finally get grass on the yard. So, uh, <laughs> But the pool itself is done, so had a nice little family cookout on Friday night. A uh, little, nothing too, too crazy, just nice and small. But I uh, had that and just chilled out on Saturday, watched the fights. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was kind of relaxing today. Of course, we record on Sunday. I've been pretty damn lazy, but that's all right. Then I guess that's what the Sundays are for to recover before the week yeah. ahead. Noah, of course, we, you were involved in a beautiful wedding, so I hope you had fun. And it's glad to be back here on the podcast with you, my friend. Yeah, um, right now I'm in the calm before the storm, Dominic. <laughs> People. Anybody out there who has to move at any point in time, yeah, please do not wait until the last second. <laughs> and you know, I, I'd like to think that I, I I worked ahead a little bit, mostly in the fact that I did get an extension on my lease that was necessary. So yeah. that's the one thing I I was proactive on. But as far as packing and getting everything ready and getting a U-Haul, that's and, a different story. Yeah, and I mean, I'm moving furniture, and as of now, I'm the only person moving stuff. So Nice. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But um highly recommend to anybody out there that's moving to uh, work ahead a little bit. <laughs> and it uh, might make your life a little easier. Because right now, I'm in the it's, – it's, it's about D-Day for me right now. Oh, so, yeah. Um, but nice little transition into the fight announcements. Lovely transition, I guess. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, let's pull them up. We start with UFC 265 happening next Saturday. Unfortunately, Uh, we lose one of our title fights. Some may say our only legitimate title fight as Amanda Nunes, the women's bantamweight champion and all-around women's GOAT. She is out of her scheduled title defense against Juliana Pena. Dominic, this is this is a shame. It's a shame because it is it is kind of feel like the one real title fight on this card. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people. Yeah, you know, don't get me wrong. There is some some levity to the interim heavyweight title fight, uh, but this one, you know, you have the women's goat involved and Juliana Pena really trying to push for this fight and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, um, what are your thoughts here? And I guess you know. What is maybe, if I have to pose a question to kind of get your brain working a little bit, 
Um, even though this fight will be rescheduled, it looks like. How do you think this – does this change anything for perhaps uh, Misha Tate, who seems to be really trying to get her name in the top of the ranks? And, uh, I mean, I know we all believe she needs one more, but uh, does this change anything for her? Because I saw she's been talking a little bit about this fight being dropped out. Yeah, um, well, first off, obviously it sucks for Amanda. Hopefully she can get healthy. I believe it was a positive COVID test. Um, mm. Hopefully – her and her family are all doing good. Hopefully there's no lingering effects. We can get that fight rebooked later in the year. Uh, as for Misha, that actually is an interesting question. But I'm going to say no, it does not directly impact her path simply because, and we're going to talk about it in a second, this next fight announcement we're going to discuss, I think affects her path a little bit more than this title fight. Sure. However, uh, shout out to Juliana Pena as well. I know this sucks for her. She's been begging and chirping for this, but uh, – I guess if there's any silver linings, a little bit more time to prepare because we know that she's fighting the greatest female fighter to ever exist. So maybe it's a good thing for Payne to get a little bit more time. I think they're aiming maybe for the end of the year card in December. Uh, we've seen Amanda Nunes fight there before, so it wouldn't be anything new. But uh, again, hopefully everything's all right with Amanda. Positive recovery and uh, get her back in the octagon sooner rather than later. Yeah, tough blow to that pay-per-view card, but a card that's just going to have to really depend on the quality of the in-ring mm-hmm. work because I think there are going to be a lot of really good fights on there still. Yeah. But that's a Friday talk. <laughs> True. Moving on to October 16th. I believe this fight is at women's featherweight, but I have not heard for yeah, sure. if it's confirmed. As Holly Holm is back and going up against – Probably the last real contender in the women's featherweight division, and that's Norma Dumont. Norma Dumont has looked pretty good when she hasn't been fighting. I believe Megan Anderson is the one who knocked her out. Um, Besides that, she's looked really good. I've been very impressed with her performances, and obviously Holly Holm is a legend of the sport. um, Not quite known for her, uh, I guess, ability as a featherweight, but she has – you know, competed there before. She wasn't the inaugural women's featherweight title. So, Dominic, a big opportunity here for Norma Dumont, but also a chance for another showcase out of Holly Holm coming off of her last showcase against Irene Aldana. If uh, Holly Holm wins this one, what's more likely, another title shot or, like you were kind of mentioning previously, perhaps another run with uh, Misha Tate? So I think should Holly Holm win, again, we don't really know what weight class this is going to be, but I think you mentioned when we talked about Norma last, she's wanting to come down to 135. So maybe it's Bantamweight, but again, it's not confirmed. However, again, should Holly win, I think it lines up for the rematch with Misha because I think this allows Misha to get one more fight as well. So it essentially would be a three-fight streak for Misha to go on to get to the title. Mm -hmm. And for Holly, she just came off of a win against Aldana can come in here, beat Dumont, rematch Misha Tate and try and avenge her title loss, and then she could potentially get into another title fight as well. I think that is kind of the picture I'm putting into my head here. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that's a very ideal picture. Mm. I'm just not exactly sure if that's what's happening or not. If this fight's at featherweight, I'm really struggling to put the pieces together. If it's a featherweight, that's different. (laughs) Well, I mean, mean, it could be. I mean, for all we know, I mean – I don't know. I still think this women's featherweight division is sort of just kind of being hung hung yeah. out the dry a little bit. I mean, you're not having any new contenders brought in. Norma Dumont's essentially the last mm-hmm. one left. And 
Holly Holmes just kind of put in here because she's willing to fight at featherweight and she kind of needs a fight right now. Norma Dumont's at least somewhat of a credible opponent and could very much win that fight, going to be the bigger uh, person in the octagon. But uh, I just, for all we know, this is just really a fight to kind of get Norma Dumont a fight or Holly a fight, whatever, and they still want to do Holly and Misha too. Or what I kind of worry about is perhaps this is a chance for them to give Holly a credible featherweight win before maybe challenging uh, Amanda to a featherweight title fight i i don't i don't know if that's really what it's going to be when she challenged amanda previously was that at bantamweight or featherweight just featherweight it was okay yeah. so that'd be the second time um again not exactly ideal but it wouldn't surprise me just because of you know holly holmes we know that it's kind of become a meme of itself that holly Holmes gets unwarranted title yeah. shots at this point just due to her name value but uh anyways fights should be fine uh, should be okay. Good fight for that fight night on October 16th. I don't think it's going to be the main event, so that's that's good to have Holly Holm as kind of like your co-main. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, should be fun. Uh, moving on from that, November 6th, UFC 268. This is the card in New York City we were just talking about on Friday. Ooh. Had its headliner, Usman versus Covington 2. Well, I think we might have our either co-main <laughs> or perhaps we have a feature Featured bout on bout. Right now. Let's uh, talk maybe that a little positively. Yeah. That. Um, Justin Gaethje versus Michael Chandler. Dominic, the mm. fight you said needed to be needed. made yes. in this lightweight division has finally come to fruition. Even at as so much as a week or two ago, I was I was so – kind of negative in my own head about this fight. I didn't really believe that this fight was going to be booked at least anytime soon. And the, 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 the stars have aligned. Yes. The Red Sea has parted and now Gaethje versus Chandler finally gets to happen. What should we expect from this fight, Dominic? And really what are the implications for a winner in this incoming bout? Whew. Okay. Well, what can we expect? A fight of the night contender a fight of the year contender, a potential top 10 fight of all time contender. That's what we can expect from this. You would think anyway, I should just digress with that. Um, implications for Gaethje. You, you probably think title shot just because his last fight was against Habib. So you think he goes in and gets one more win. Maybe he's right back in the mix of things. It'll depend on how the lightweight picture looks, I suppose for uh, Chandler, not a title fight next just because it's a little bit different for him. He came in, fought one time, then fought for a belt. However, if he comes in and beats Gaethje, that's still huge for his future within the company. Does get him a step closer to getting another crack at the title. Uh, but this is perfect matchmaking. It's the one that the fans have been calling for. Uh, literally, as you said, over a little over a week ago, we talked about this. Maybe all it took was a little Twitter back and forth to get the bout agreement signed, <laughs> yeah. but we've got it. And uh, again, if it's a co-main, a pre, uh, may, you put it anywhere on the card. I don't even care because this is the fight to make. I'm so excited, and uh, they're going to put on a show in New York City. Mm -hmm. My thoughts exactly. Obviously, the fight uh, should be one for. It, it might end up being really quick. Who knows? But yeah, luckily, that's this the problem. Is, I mean, I think it's going to be a war, but um, obviously, you never can really predict these things. We're not mystic in any way. <laughs> yeah, but uh, in, in terms of implications here. I do think maybe you underestimate uh, the potential for Michael Chandler with the big victory here to be kind of 
springboarded back into mm-hmm. title contention. I think a lot of that depends on what a potential Charles Oliveira versus Dustin Poirier title fight would bring. Um, if but Dustin Poirier would be able to uh, get a victory there, I feel like you have a really good chance of seeing Poirier and Michael Chandler mm-hmm. perhaps sometime in the spring. But, you know, everybody knows that uh, that, that seems almost too perfect of a world here where, yeah. where that could happen. Because then you got Conor McGregor, who's in his recovery right now. And who's to say that if Poirier wins the belt, they don't run it back the fourth time right. for the lightweight title. I don't think that's what's going to happen. I, I ultimately think that you will see the winner of this fight fight the winner of that title fight between Poirier and Oliveira. I do think it works out that way. I hope it does. And uh, because of that, that adds a lot of credibility to this fight. Mm-hmm. Justin Gaethje, this is going to be a basically a year, a little over yeah. a year since we last saw him. And that's not really how he usually does things. Mm-hmm. Usually a very active fighter. And, um, you know, that's why it's been kind of more, th- more than most, you know, he, his layoff has really been felt by the community. And uh, obviously going to be exciting to have him back. Michael Chandler, glad to see him, you know, taking some time. Mm-hmm. To recover because he did get uh, ultimately TKO'd, KO'd, whatever you want to call it, in his in his last title fight. But uh, a guy that still could really make some noise here, even with that loss. And um, I'm just ready to get to this fight because you know the embeddeds and all that oh, are just yeah. going to be awesome. Yeah, and these <laughs> guys aren't buddy buddy either. That makes it even more fun. So. Yeah, so that's going to wrap it up for our fight announcements and. We're going to transition into the cards that happened this weekend, starting with Bellator 263. The main event, Dominic, the torch has been passed, as you as you so eloquently put here. As AJ McKee submits Patricio Pitbull in round number one, a minute 57 seconds in, to become the Grand Prix winner of the Featherweights and also the new featherweight champion dominic we we said going in here that this was the biggest fight in bellator history that all the makings of this you know classic affair or whatever you know it's it anything we could say about this fight we did in terms of positives going in here so my question for you is did the outcome live up to um, your expectations and ultimately what's next um, no, it didn't live up to my expectations simply because I did not expect McKee to go in and just torch, mm-hmm. no pun intended here with the headline title, torch the champion and Pitbull, the, the guy that's the double champ, been on a seven-fight win streak, destroying everyone. McKee made it look easy, and I know the fight didn't last long, but really even the early exchanges were all McKee in terms of the distance striking. Then he landed that disgusting head kick. He essentially got a knockout and a submission in the same fight. I mean, that's how mm-hmm. bad it was. Uh, this McKee, dare I say, maybe the new face of Bellator, an absolute superstar for that organization. Well-spoken, undefeated, a million dollars in the bank with the big old fat check. It was just really amazing, and the confetti was falling. I saw people tweeting how it looked like one of the uh, OG Pride events last night. They had a f- crowd full of people there in Los Angeles, so it really did feel special, and it felt like the biggest fight uh, in Bellator history, man. And to see uh, a longstanding champion in Pitbull who was the face of the company, at least in the featherweight division, pass his belt because we know he's got one more belt at 155 to the new up-and-coming star in McKee. It really just felt 
very special. This kid's still so young, 26, 27 years old, a very bright future ahead. Literally every single fight he's had in his career has been in Bellator. He's 18-0 in the organization, which is insane. We talked about that a lot, how Bellator gets people early, and they mold them and keep them this entire time. Here's another example here in AJ McKee. Uh, fantastic performance. I got lost and a little sidetracked on your second question, but Noah, what do you think? Um, yeah, I thought this fight, in my opinion, it lived up simply because while I didn't expect it to be quite one-sided, yeah. I did. Hey, this time I at least said, you know, I, I called that shot like Babe Ruth pointing at the stands with Dillashaw and Sanhagen didn't yeah. quite go the way I thought. <laughs> but then I called it again here, and it, and it did. I mean, I really thought that, like, one of these guys was going to just come out here and just look so – and in my head, I thought it was going to be McKee that was the one mm-hmm. that would be – I just you know, you don't want to mess – you want to give Patricio his respect. It's just yeah. – in my head, I was like, okay, Pitbull is a bit of a – if there's any sort of, I guess, negative to his game is that he can be, um, I guess, a bit tentative right out the gate while AJ yeah. McKee – just kind of is immediately on, yeah. immediately in his groove right away, which I thought could lead to some problems, and that's obviously kind of what happened here. So in some way, I, it did live up to my expectations, even if it wasn't a fight of the year or fight of yeah. the night. Um, just the the statement that it made, you know, yeah. AJ McKee truly cemented himself as the new face of Bellator. And hot take alert here, but this gave me – the vibes this fight gave me was very much McGregor Aldo back in 2015. Yeah, I think this was AJ McKee's Conor McGregor moment. While obviously that's not quite the heights he'll probably get to because who could ever get to those right. kind of heights? Uh, but I do think AJ McKee taking out the long-term dominant champion and Patricio Pitbull, a guy who's been with Bellator for so long, been such a an impact player for them mm-hmm. and hasn't lost in such a long time. I think that really cemented himself as probably going to be the biggest star Bellator's ever created in their own right. Yeah. And potentially, I mean, in some ways, Bellator right now just has to figure out how can we keep this guy forever? Yeah. Because you know, that's going to become a problem eventually is he's going to want that, that money and not that Bellator probably I'm sure with some fighters they've been able to outbid the UFC and whatnot. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of talk on fighter pay, you know how it goes. But uh I could totally see uh, a bidding war here for this guy once oh, he's yeah. once he comes to the end of this contract. And uh who's to say that the UFC doesn't pay him a pretty penny to come over there and fight the likes of Max Holloway and Bolkanovsky yep. and whatnot. He even said yep. in an interview <laughs> with the Schmo. He said that his dream fight is Max Holloway. Holloway. So that says a lot. But I don't want to talk too much on that. This was a great night for Bellator. I don't yes. wanna I don't want to already be trying to pry their biggest star away. Right. Um I guess what what it, my second question for you, and I'll I'll answer first, was kind of what's next here. Okay. Um, obviously McKee has solidified himself as the, the face that runs the place, but Patricio Pitbull is likely going to get a rematch here. And in my opinion, I think you're going to see a rematch for the lightweight belt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. McKee has a chance to become a champ champ already, you know, again, so young and, and, you know, just now kind of, I mean, I, I think he was getting a lot of respect. I mean, the, the odds for this fight were dead, even dead despite even. what yeah. Pitbull's impact has been, 
But in, in some ways, I think this was his coming out party. Um, maybe the Caldwell fight was a little more so. But for a ca- more casual base, I definitely think this fight was a coming out party for him. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I think you run this fight. This is what Bellator will likely do. I'm not Again, I told you guys I'm not a big fan of immediate rematches. Yeah. Uh, but I think you'll see the fight run back at lightweight. And if McKee wins, then, man, that's a tough pill to swallow for Pitbull to lose both your belts to the same guy. Yeah. But – if Pitbull wins that fight, then I think you run a trilogy bout probably back at featherweight, uh, and that that would be probably the blueprint here, and that falls right in line with your Mystic Mac. Yeah, hey man, <laughs> if that happens, man, then someone's got to pay me something. I don't know if it's Dom. Yeah. I don't know if it's Dom that's got to pay me, or the viewers <laughs> listening right now. Someone better pay me a thousand dollar donation. <laughs> but regardless, that's got to be the plan here. Do you yeah. think, or what, do you feel any differently, Dom? Yeah, I feel that's probably what will happen. McKee called for it. Every single media member and everyone on part of MMA Twitter was calling for it. The next fight to make, run it back, but for the 155 pound belt, it's. I mean, I can't say it's not intriguing. Um, I think it would be an incredible matchup. Again, up a weight class could make it, yeah, even more enticing. Because mm-hmm. truthfully, like Pitbull looks really good at 145. I thought, but 155, man. I mean, he's a shorter guy, but obviously he's the champ for a reason. McKee. We've never really had the opportunity to see him up at that weight class, so it could be a bit more um, of a challenge for him. But if he performs like he did last night, that dude looked nearly untouchable. So, yes, running back 100%. I think it's another huge fight for Bellator to bring more eyes to their organization, fill up another arena now that fans are back. Uh, I love everything about it, and apparently so did the entire MMA community. Yeah, that's that's very true. I'm glad to see that everybody's kind of on the same page, even though, again, I don't like immediate rematches, but at least you have the added element of going up yeah. a weight class. Although I will say, I feel like Patricio Pitbull in a matchup with McKee fares better at featherweight. Yeah. I think when you go up to lightweight, McKee is just, again, a big guy for featherweight, and I think he's just going to fill out even better as a lightweight, while Pitbull is going to be a bit small yeah. for that lightweight weight class. And uh That'll be an interesting element to see how they fare there. Because, again, at least Pitbull has the experience of fighting at 155, while McKee, from what I understand, has never fought above 145. Mm. But uh, And I'll be curious to see like if he goes up there and wins that belt, kind of where he wants to wow. sort of – where is he going to submit his legacy at? Does he, does he stay in a division that kind of brought him to the game? Like, again, if you <laughs> – in some ways, I feel like I'm, t- I'm mirroring what probably a lot of people said about Conor McGregor when he mm-hmm. beat Aldo. But think about it. You know, if, if we want to fall in that kind of line here, you know, McGregor built his whole career as a featherweight. Once he wins the belt, immediately goes to lightweight and yep. never saw him at featherweight again because that weight cut was just too much for him. Right. For McKee, does he decide that 155 is going to be the weight class to, to submit his legacy rather than continuing to – perhaps make a extended run at featherweight or dominate at featherweight, whatever. And um, that'll be interesting to see. I think we'll have at least a little bit to talk about in the rest for another fight on this card that could perhaps give him some, um, some sort of title challenger for mm-hmm. his perhaps first defense of a featherweight belt. But uh, we'll wait on that one. Uh, great night for Bellator. They yes. had, it felt like a big deal. This card, actually, I heard a lot of people comparing this to strike force they said mm-hmm. if you guys, if you newer fans, which to be fair, kind of in that in that range, because I was I wasn't a fan when Strike Force went out. Um, they said this was kind of the feel of as close as you could get to Strike Force. So 
that was really nice. I thought it felt like a big deal and lived yeah. up to that as well. For sure. So what didn't feel like a big deal but outperformed all the hell was UFC Vegas 33, yeah. headlined by a couple middleweights that really looking to kind of cement their status as a, as a true perhaps – contender or at least yeah. a guy kind of bubbling contender you know yeah. on the bubble if you will uh sean strickland ultimately does as the headline says perform one-way traffic Woo. on uriah hall defeats him via unanimous decision this was truly a bully of a performance yeah for was. sean strickland um you know this fight kind of went the way i thought it would if strickland were to win i didn't really see uriah hall getting finished he's not really one to Mm-hmm. necessarily um, get finished too often. Um, but I did think that if Uriah Hall, the one that is very tentative and doesn't quite uh, – is a little gun-shy, doesn't quite pull the trigger, showed up, then I thought that Sean Strickland was going to really run through him. I mean, he's he's such a – he's on Friday I kept calling him a technical striker, and I think really he's more of like a technical brawler. Like that's, a, that's a good term. Yeah. He definitely likes to brawl, but he's very precise and yes, he picks his shots very Measured. well. Yeah, yes, and he and he did that here. He's a very interesting character too. I don't mm-hmm. know if I get. I don't think I gave him quite the credit for that on Friday. This guy taught is yelling in the cage all the time and yeah. stuff. I mean, what a character this guy is. After the fight, he was saying if they paid me enough, I'd get go get knocked out by Ngannou and stuff. <laughs> this guy seems like he's kind of nuts, but yeah, I like it. And, you know, it's it's good for him to kind of get this win here because, you know, a lot of people don't know who Sean Strickland is. Right. You know, he's still really trying to get some sort of name for himself. While for Uriah Hall, in some ways, he's still kind of benefiting from his past. You know, his, mm-hmm. his he's really always been kind of recognized by a hardcore MMA fan base as a, as a player in this division, basically due to his run on The Ultimate Fighter. He's yeah. never really lived up to it. But obviously had a nice win streak coming in here. And, you know, now it's back to the drawing board. That's going to be, a, you know, you know he's going to be feeling the damage off that one today. Oh, yeah. and, and that's going to be a tough one to swallow. But enough about my thoughts, Dominic. I want to hear kind of what you felt about this fight. You know, obviously I'm sure you felt somewhat similar. But more importantly, what's next for your winners of Sean Strickland? Yeah, man. I mean, it was a bit of a coming out party for Sean in his own right. Definitely the biggest win of his career. Um, A guy that not a lot of people know about, but was ranked 11th. But now he cracks into the top 10 here come Tuesday morning, I'd have to imagine, beating number eight Uriah Hall. And I, I, in my head, I was picking Strickland. Mm -hmm. But the way in which he did it, and I could definitely see him winning a decision in this fight, don't get me wrong. But just being so one-sided for five straight rounds, nearly finishing Uriah two or three times, used good grappling up against the cage, clinch work, distance striking. I mean, he really put it all together, showcased that um, technical brawler. As Noah said it, that's a perfect description for Sean Strickland, a fun fight style to watch for fight fans. And, uh, yeah, he made his statement. He set a middleweight record for most significant strikes landed in a fight with 186. So, as Noah mentioned, Uriah Hall. Definitely going to be feeling that for a couple of days. And uh, I am curious to see what will come next for him. I sent Noah a tweet I saw on Twitter last night. Um, I love the fight, but as Noah responded, and we'll talk about it here, 
uh, might not be the best idea for the counterpart, and that was welcoming Luke Rockhold back to the middleweight division. Uh, stylistically, that is a pretty fun fight, but as I just mentioned, Noah I wasn't big on the name value in terms of Luke wanting to fight him. I do see that sentiment there. I do agree. Um, if I were to get a more realistic uh, prediction or maybe what I would like to see from him, simply looking at the rankings here, I think Sean Strickland, and I, I don't remember off the top of my head if there's a fight book for this guy, so pardon me if there is, but I think Strickland versus Jack Hermanson, if available, or when Jack is available, would be a really good fight to make as well. Again, he just launched into the top 10. Can he make his way into that top five and become a true contender? Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. I love the idea of a Jack or Manson yeah. fight. Uh, it's it's just two guys that have very different styles. Obviously, I just kind of called Strickland a bit of a brawler, but kind of a technical one. Yeah. Um, while Jack or Manson probably wouldn't fare well if he stayed on the feet with Strickland, but we know how good he is, how slick he can be on getting a fight to the ground, which is not a very common trait among middleweights. Um, so I think that'd be an interesting challenge for Mr. Strickland. I do think a fight with Luke Rockhold would make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. It would be a fair comeback fight for Rockhold, you know, because let's say uh, Strickland gets put eighth, you know, takes Uriah Hall's spot here. I think that range is where I would want to see yeah. Luke Rockhold come back and, and see kind of where he measures up. But Luke Rockhold's made it very clear that he only wants like – he said, I mean, he's been getting kind of frustrated with the UFC. Yeah. Perhaps these are the kind of fights that they're offering him. And he's like, no, give me a big name. Give right. me a, a big fight or else, you know, I don't want to do this. Yeah. And because of that, I don't think uh, Sean Strickland's going to be the guy to to really bring that out of him. Yeah. Could I be wrong? Of course. And I kind of hope I am because mm -hmm. I do think that that would be great for Strickland and for Rockhold, depending on who wins that matchup. Um, I think either one would get a lot out of that. But I do think if you don't do that fight, Jack Hermanson would be quite the <laughs> consolation prize yes. there. Um, but, yeah, that's 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 our headlines kind of that we're going through. But we do have a lot here for the rest. Mm -hmm. We're going to transition back to Bellator 263. Just a couple fights to talk about there. The co-main event. Mads Burnell, the number eight ranked featherweight. Again, we had kind of that featherweight top and uh, yeah. co-main and main event. So a lot of implications for that division here as the number eight ranked Mads Burnell gets the win over number two ranked Emmanuel Sanchez via unanimous decision. Some questionable scoring from yeah. the judges here. Uh, you had a 29-28 on one scorecard, which most people in the community thought that was – as yeah. you scored it as too, Dom, yeah. me as well. But then two judges scored it 30-27. At least they got the winner right. Yeah. But I, I have a hard time finding how you give round one to Burnell. I agree. Regardless, though, at least the right winner gets announced. Um, and this is the biggest win for Burnell's career. He mm -hmm. bounces right up into basically title contention at this point. Obviously, I don't, I don't know if his next fight will be for the title due to the fact that you got Patricio and AJ McKee perhaps going to run it back. Or, right. you know, they might be really fighting each other for the next year. So because of that, Burnell might have to fight someone else. But a big win to bounce from number eight to number two. And for Sanchez, that's just a tough pill to swallow. This was a guy that just 
was was fighting for the belt in the featherweight Grand Prix in a losing mm-hmm. effort to Patricio. This was kind of his opportunity to bounce back against. Yes, Burnell is very much a surging guy, but a guy much lower ranked than you. You would hope that you could get that win. Yeah. Couldn't do it. That's two in a row now. So back to the drawing board for him because he still does an athletic prime. Yep. So you don't you don't want to be you know coming up on these big losing streaks. So in such a pivotal part of your development as a fighter, uh, but a good win for Burnell. What did you think here, Dom? Uh, don't have too much to say other than what I what I just did. Yeah, I mean, you really hit the nail on the head. It was really a dogfight, man. A lot of heavy grappling and transitioning made me exhausted watching the fight. And like you said, for Burnell, the biggest win of his career, he's going to skyrocket into the top three of this division. May have to wait a little bit if he's getting a title fight next, or if not, do an official no more contender fight. Who knows what will happen. Uh, but, yeah, a big win for him, for Emmanuel Sanchez, back to the drawing board. Again, when you come off a loss to Pitbull, uh, in the Grand Prix semis, and then lose the top 10 fighter here. Not the end of the world. I'll go back to the drawing board, see what we can do, um, and on onwards and upwards for Sanchez. Mm-hmm. Well said. Also, our feature bout here featured a familiar last name for a lot of <laughs> yeah. fans. As Us- well, actually, the first name might sound familiar, too. <laughs> Us- Usman Nurmagomedov. That's right. This man's just got champion written all over. Yes, it's in the blood. Uh, he gets the TKO. Yes, this was at Bellator, Nermaga Madoff. Yep. Over Manny Miro, three and a half minutes around number one. Oof. Coach Habib, you said it, Dom. I didn't even know this going in. He was undefeated on the night. So yeah. remains undefeated, I'm pretty sure, for his coaching career. Yep. A big win for the young Nermaga Madoff, who is quite quickly going to be surging in the ranks here. Oh, 100%. Um, Coach Habib, 3-0 and on the docket at Bellator 263, which is just crazy. Um, and, yeah, man, what a performance here by Usman. He was a huge signing when he came to Bellator, and he's showing right away well, with how skilled he is. He's finishing fights now. And, you know, with that name, it's going to push him just a tad bit further, a tad bit faster, a uh, very bright pu- a future, I should say, ahead for this kid. A future title challenger, 100%. I do not doubt that at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to wrap it up for Bellator 263. As far as UFC Vegas 33, we do have basically the entire main yeah. card to go over here. So look how that works. You know, we, we poo-pooed a little bit, at least I did, on this <laughs> card. And, uh, you know, I knew when I was doing that that, like, look, I know – I've. How many times have I said it on this podcast yeah. Yeah. That, that fights aren't made on paper, they're made in the octagon? But there is an element, too, and um, this might actually be a topic we might get into a little bit on Wednesday's episode, so I won't I won't delve too much into it. But there is, a, there is an element of, you know, you kind of have to buy into the fighters on, right. on going into the octagon in order to enjoy the fighting itself. There is yeah. a bit of that. Uh, for sure. But ultimately, if you're a fight fan, you just kind of want to see good fights at the end of the day. Yep. And this card out-delivered. And it was a lot of – I mean, it out-delivered in, the, in as far as in the octagon. There was a lot of – Brutal fashion. A lot of – I mean, to get there, though, I mean, there were oh, fights yeah. dropping left and right on this card. It was bad. COVID, this has been the first time we've really heard of a lot of these – covid kind of dropouts in a in a long time which yeah is a bit frightening to think about but um won't focus too much on that however what they kind of the band-aid or the 
whatever they, they put over this card to kind of stitch it all together. Um, ended up really outperforming a lot oh, of yeah. betting underdogs were winning on, especially on the prelims were like dominating on the night, um, which is, you know, that's always fun if you're a betting man or woman and, you know, just really overall, it's just, I don't think the UFC comes out looking too bad here. They don't win the, the weekend. Obviously Bellator just had the, the bigger card that still delivered, but right. you know, uh, definitely you could do much worse for fight night cards and the first fight we're going to start with is that co-main event. This was really a bout that I was actually pretty excited to watch. Between two women who were both winless in the UFC coming in. I mean, both had wins on the Contender Series, but yep. we don't really count that into UFC records. But Cheyenne Bays gets that TKO over Gloria DePaula one minute on the dot of round number one. Now, wow. Dominic, I said going in that I was actually more intrigued by the opponent of Cheyenne Bays, Gloria DePaula. I'm very impressed with her striking um, and kind of her previous bouts. Just very, very technical and powerful for for the women's divisions. And Cheyenne, though, with the head Oof. kick and honestly, those the elbows that she dropped on her as Brutal. she pounced on top. The finishing sequence is really something to behold. I, I recommend look if you guys can find the clip on Twitter oh, yeah. or something. Please go watch it or watch the fight back on um, ESPN Plus. Uh, if you if you got that this the finishing sequence here was I mean that was some savagery at its yeah. finest and it's a big bounce back for Bays who it appears the UFC wants to kind of yes. at least put a push put her. a little bit push her a little bit and uh, a win that she needed and ultimately the post fight winning that fifty thousand dollars and you mm-hmm. saw how how much that overcame her she said she was literally negative in her balance coming into fight night which is crazy yeah. Uh, that someone could be, you know, that's in her position. Yes, she's not a – I know she's not a, a title challenger or anything like that, but she's a promising prospect. Right. And she's, you know, broker than we are. Like, that's crazy yeah. to me in a sport that we take for granted and love so much. So, Dominic, what did you think of Cheyenne Bay's performance? Mm. Do you think that this can uh, perhaps silence the naysayers who were questioning perhaps why she was getting so much attention in her previous fight? Oh, yeah, man. I mean, you know me with the Contender Series people, and when they win, uh, they're going to get pushed harder than others. And uh, here's another example of it, except this time they clash against one another. Cheyenne's UFC debut didn't go her way. It was a back-and-forth fight until I believe she ended up getting choked out in the first one. I could be wrong. Um, But she bounces back here against another prospect. Prospect uh, And the brutal – I've said that like three times in the last 60 seconds, but it's fine. The disgusting, I'll say – Head kick that she landed um, as De Paula was standing up, timed it perfectly to when mm-hmm. right when her fingers lifted up, she kicked her in the face, sent her down, the brutal elbows, as you mentioned. I mean, it was really an incredible performance for the 60 seconds that it lasted. Uh, the best thing about it is she's fresh, no injuries. I say we book her as fast as possible. She's someone that the UFC wants to push. Her husband's a UFC fighter. The storyline's now there that the fans are going to gravitate more toward her because they can relate to her in the tough times. And, you know, she's using her fight pay before the bonus to literally pay off $15,000 in debt from beginning this sport and training and moving to Vegas now to do her fight camp. Then she got awarded the $50,000 bonus to see her collapse to the ground with pure emotion was truly special. Uh, this is the uh, fight, the performance that we came to expect from her when she came from the contender series. It just came one fight late, but that's all right. 
because I think there's a very uh, bright prospect here, very bright future potential title challenger in Cheyenne Base. Mm, it's a huge bounce back because her previous encounter with uh, Montserrat Conejo was. That's who it was. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I and I I like Montserrat Conejo despite you know she had a tough last fight loss, but. Uh, in that fight, I thought Cheyenne Bays did not show me much of anything. I'm sure you can go back and listen to that episode. I just wasn't very impressed. I'm like, why are – I was one of the people that was a bit kind of like, why are we – why does she appear to be getting so much attention? Because, again, I probably didn't watch the episode of the Contender Series that she was on, mm-hmm. and I just didn't really get it. But here, oh, I, I get it now. <laughs> yeah. If yeah. I didn't know then, I sure know now. And, uh, yeah, so all the best to her because I, I really liked seeing a lot of that post-fight, mm. you know, just seeing the emotion overcome her and stuff. Right. Moving on from there, your feature bout of the evening featured Jared Gooden getting a TKO win over Nicholas Stoles a minute, eight seconds around number one. Jared Gooden built like a brick shithouse. <laughs> it's, it's like, like a brick one, too. <laughs> yes. So, Dominic, uh, what were the thoughts on this one? Because Jared uh, Gooden's been a name that's been kind of – you know, he's been out there for a little bit. He was Alan Joban's retirement fight. And Joban was the fight. there. Yeah. And, um, you know, we knew this guy had some power, but hadn't quite been ever really to put it all together. But here mm-hmm. he does in big fashion. Yeah, first off, how does this guy make 170 pounds? Uh, because he looks like a 205-pounder in there. Right. He weighed every bit of 190 probably in that octagon. But, man, he brought that straight right, and it was game over. It happened so fast, and it – hit so hard. I felt it through the TV. Uh, it was a brutal knockout. I said the word brutal again. That's all right. Screw me. Um, but yeah, Nicholas Solze, a German fighter too, uh, which you don't get to see much. Didn't really get to showcase much of his skills because this is the performance again, similar to Cheyenne Bays, that people have kind of been wanting to see from good and living up to that hype. I think he's only 27, 28. So another bright prospect here in the welterweight division, a division that's super deep, but also is uh, in need of some more prospects as we have a dominant champion right now. I know we're talking years down the road, but you get my sentiment. So Jared Gooden, fantastic performance, a nasty right straight. He's got the power. He's got the speed. He's got the look. Very good performance from Gooden. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the UFC to Nelsic. Oh, <laughs> Bag- wow. Bagdasarian. Speed. I don't know if I got that name right, but he gets the TKO. Over Colin England, a minute fifty seconds around number two. Dominic, I'm gonna let you start this one. Lightning McQueen, Kachow, pure <laughs> speed. That's all this man does. Nelsick looked amazing as soon as this horn sounded in round one until he finished it a minute fifty into round two um, against Colin England. The the kicks were disgusting, powerful, precise technician on the feet. I mean, you'd want to. You don't get many. Um, Head kick KOs as nasty and as perfectly timed as this one. And the fact that we had two of them on the main card were just, it was awesome as a fight fan to see. But for Nelsick to come in there and really just have his way with a guy that was nine and one, by the way, in Anglin. I know he's not a huge name, but still a tough fight to debut in the promotion. Put on a master class performance, made a statement. Uh, also, very good at fluent English speaking, became a U.S. citizen eight years ago. So he's got that foreign fighter background, but it can also relate to the U.S. fans. That helps skyrocket them just a little bit faster as well. He really has all the makings uh, of a very bright future contender. I, I was over overwhelmed with how great of a performance this was. 
Yeah, I think because it's too soon to say this guy could be a real player in this featherweight <laughs> yeah. division. No, no, not at all. Um, obviously, you want to see him go up against some better competition, but you can see skill no matter who, especially if you're facing someone who might not be at quite your level, yeah. which I think was kind of the case here for his opponent in Colin England. Even though Colin England, good record, mm-hmm. good guy coming in here. But for Nelson. For Melsick, excuse me, I accidentally typed Melsick on the on the Google Doc, but Melsick, for him, I think you could just tell how technically sound and talented yes. he is. And if you want to, in terms of athleticism, the power and speed combinations mm-hmm. were just, it was such a big difference in this fight, despite the fact that going in, you didn't really know who might win. Both guys yeah. kind of promising young guys and, it was no competition. I mean, this it was kind of a mismatch, but you just didn't know that until they actually right. stepped foot in. Yeah. So I'm very excited about what perhaps Mr. Melsic Bagdasarian has in store for him. I'm sure I'll be able to get that name down because we're going to be hearing it a lot more oh. in the coming, the coming years. Oh, yes. Indeed. And then we opened our main card with, I would say, the fight of the night. Wouldn't mm-hmm. you agree? Oh, yeah. As Jason Witt defeats Brian Barbarena via majority decision. That's because one judge scored it a draw, but the other two scored it for Jason Witt, 29-27, 29-28. Poor Brian Barbarena, first off, because even though these guys went to war, Barbarena is known as being a guy that will go to war with anybody. He's been in so many fun fights, but unfortunately just never quite gets Mm -hmm. on the winning end of any of them. And uh, that's ultimately been what's kind of halted him from really – progressing forward at all but i don't want to be any too negative on the guy here because ultimately this was an awesome fight back and forth these guys went to war and i respect so much these two you know jason witt i believe is a guy could be wrong about this when you start talking i'm going to look this up but i believe we saw him lose at ufc 203 so a guy who's hung around for a long time if I remember that right, but I, I won't focus too much on it until I look that up to confirm. But Brian Barbarena, I've been hearing this guy's name basically just as long. Yeah. And always in these just wars and puts it out all on the line mm-hmm. every fight. Got to respect that. And because of that, they both got a nice $50,000 for their fight of the night. Dominic. What did you think? I know you you probably thought this one was fun. Yeah, I mean, very much deserved the 50K bonus for each guy. They went back and forth. Jason Witt, really out of the gate, was very aggressive, and that's something scary to do against a guy that carries power um, that Barbarina does. But he really looked good and utilized a lot of good grappling, was able to hold him down when he needed to, land ground and pound, push the fight to the cage. But then all of a sudden, round three, might be up there with Reyes and uh, um, Giri Prohaska for round of the year because this third round was nuts. Brian Barbarena was dropped. He dropped Jason Witt like two or three times. Witt just keeps grabbing at the legs, somehow stands back up and keeps punching him in the face. This was one of the better fights uh, of the year so far. There's just been a ton to remember, obviously. But that third round, definitely top three of round of the year. Uh, these guys went to war, two crafty vets that are always just down to get into these brawls, the dog fights, and uh, they kicked off the main card with a bang. Much deserved performance bonuses, fight of the night bonus, and, uh, and a big win for Jason Witt as well. Yeah, I was wrong about Jason Witt, by the way. He was not, <laughs> he's actually pretty fresh into the UFC. His first fight in the promotion, 
unless I'm missing, he did he have a run previous? No, he did mm, not. Okay. So his, uh, his first bout was actually the Poirier Hooker card. So okay. he's been a name that's been kind of hovering, though, because I've been hearing his name more and more. This yeah. is obviously going to be a good way to kind of keep him in that in that direction. Two and two in the UFC, so this was a big win for him because he did have losses like Takashi Sato, who's a good fighter, and mm-hmm. Matthew Semmelsberger as well. Um, that was on the Edwards Muhammad card. So a good bounce back for him here. And for Barbarina, tough, man. But, you know, this is what his career has been made on. Yeah. He has made a lot of money just by simply being in fight of the nights, which is no is not an easy task at right. all. But he makes it look very easy, I will say. Um, and, you know, it's just nice to see a fight that just – a dog fight to the end that third round. You love it when a third round is really where it, where it takes it home. You when know? it should be the hardest and it turns yeah. into just, oh, man. Yeah. So all in all, great fight, fight of the night. And a great it, – it, it definitely, for me, made me go, okay, this card probably will be okay just by simply oh. that fight alone. And then the rest of the cards lived up. So yeah, um, can't complain there. But that's going to wrap it up for today's weekend – recap it is a three episode week so because of that you will be seeing us on wednesday with our next reddit round table me and dominic are in the lab getting our questions ready got a fan question coming yeah if you guys have any questions that you would like to see featured on that episode make sure to submit those either through commenting on our social medias you can message us directly um or perhaps uh sending us a voice message which you can do on the link trees in both of our bios, uh, there's a link on there for the anchor page to leave a voice message. Don't have to feature your voice if you don't want to, but we can at least feature your questions. So a lot of different ways to send in questions. Please do yeah. so. And then Friday is going to be another weekend preview. UFC 265 going to be the main focus of that one. Yep. But Dominic, until then, tell the good people where they can find us on social media. You can find me on Twitter. On Instagram, at DSLEE14. As Noah said, send us in any questions if you want. I know the fan question we have for Wednesday was sent straight up on Facebook. So even if you don't want to have your voice on, just do something like that. We'll find it. Uh, And if we like it, we want to talk about it, we're going to feature it. So uh, be sure to do that. And, of course, you can interact directly with both of us with the podcast itself on Instagram, on Twitter, at BAJ underscore MMA podcast. For me, go to my Twitter or Instagram at ntbaker underscore. Um, I already said all that about the link tree <laughs> and stuff, so I won't focus on that too much. But again, you can find my personal Twitter and Instagram at ntbaker underscore. But with that, we're out, and we'll see y'all on Wednesday.